this is Laura Neamey. You're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential. Radio talk show about television that will play part two of our conversation with Will Beinbring later on this hour. Will Beinbring, the actor who plays Tom Rogan in the box office smash It Chapter Two. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we will open up the hour by welcoming back our friend Jim Rosen. Jim Rosen has visited our program many, many times before. He is the author of many books that go behind the scenes and provide Oral histories of Naked City, Peyton Place, Route 66, The Streets of San Francisco, Quincy, and other great shows from the 60s and 70s. Jim also produced a documentary on the history of the Philadelphia A's, which aired on PBS, plus his book, Philly Pop Rock Rhythm and Blues, profiles many of the great musical artists that originated from Jim's hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Tonight we're going to do something a little bit different because Jim Rosen is going to talk about himself. He has just released a memoir called People, Places, and Me, in which Jim reflects on his life as a working actor both in New York and Los Angeles, his experiences working on stage and on television on both coasts, both as a writer and as an actor, and the many moments of encouragement that Jim received along the way from people famous and otherwise. We'll tell you more about People, Places, and Me, and where you can find it in just a second. But first, Jim Rosen, welcome back to TV Confidential. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be back. We have had many, many conversations on our program. We've had many, many conversations off the air. I've always known you to be an introspective guy. I've always known you to be a very reflective, pragmatic guy. But there are many things about you that I learned for the first time. Like, there's a wonderful photo of you playing the guitar on the back cover. Yes. <laughs> I played as a small boy, and then uh, recently I started playing again, and I'm trying to reacquaint myself with all my chords and uh, eventually get into finger picking, which I'd love to do. But it's very relaxing, and it's something I enjoy, and it's something that, like writing, you can do by yourself. When you decided, okay, I'm going to revisit the guitar, did you have to learn totally from scratch, or were there some things that you had learned before that you were able to draw from? Well, some of, some of the things came back to me, you know, the basics, you know, how you uh, position your fingers uh, on the frets and some of the chords and uh, some of the songs. Uh, although it had been many years, they came back to me. So there's some retention, you know, your your muscle memories and your fingers and your head, it, it aids you more than you think It's some facet, but I've had to relearn a lot of things, too. It's a wonderful hobby, you know. I ask because I have been told, at least with singing, that if you do not practice your vocal ability, you lose the ability to sing. So I was just curious uh-huh. whether that also goes for playing guitar. But it sounds like, yes, some of it retained, but at the same time, you still had to reacquaint yourself yeah it has to do with uh, the level of how long you've played for and and practiced and uh, you know what's embedded in your memory and what's not but listen when you put something down you're going to develop some rust you must practice you really need to uh, practice every day every other day to really make uh, headway you know you have to stay with it you have to make a commitment and if you're motivated to do that it can be a fruitful outcome 
Now, you came of age at a time when rock and roll was coming to the scene and television was coming onto the scene and the interrelated uh, relationship between TV and music was coming onto the scene. And I understand that, in a way, it was music shows and dance shows, at least the fact that rock music was played at local dances when you were a kid, that played some role. And, or at least that was like one of the first steps in your path to becoming a performer. Yes, I, I love to dance. And, you know, what I grew up with, jitterbugging, which is a form of East Coast swing. There was that, there was the cha-cha, there was the slow dance. Uh, there, those were the basic dances we were doing. And fortunately, Dick Clark and American Bandstand were, were there to uh, aid and abet me and a lot of other teenagers, along with the transistor radio, where you could play down your basement or take to the playground and it gave the teenagers a voice at the time and I began to, to go on American Bandstand and dance on that show and uh, yeah I guess you could say it was a springboard to my uh, desire to perform. I also was very intrigued uh, when I would run home from the ball field to watch TV. I became a very avid moviegoer and TV watcher. Not only the Western series but I found the dramatic shows very entertaining as well. And in my later years, I began to realize what it was that fascinated me about drama. It contained conflict, as life did. However, movies, uh, television shows, uh, stage plays were not reality, but they were an elevated art form and a heightened reality and a condensation of life, I should say. So in a one- or two-hour time span... The characters got to the heart of the matter. You know, they confronted each other in a way that people seldom do in real life. And it pointed up their humanity in the process. And to me, that was a very noble thing. So that really got me going. And what the actors exhibited on screen in your living room or local movie house, that version really appealed to me. Because there were many times throughout the course of my life when I wanted to say or do something that I was thinking or feeling, but I suppressed it, or I was unable to express it in the moment. That was a sign of the times. And the screenwriters and the TV writers had no such disadvantage. You know, They could say what they were thinking or feeling. There was, there was a subtext behind each line, and each scene would point up an intention and a conflict. So it, it was very fascinating to me to watch someone that had an objective and, and there'd be something in his way and then the story would evolve to see how he would go about overcoming the obstacle and solve his problem. And that's what really got me uh, going with performing, I think. Jim Rosen's on the line with us. Jim Rosen, actor, author, playwright, raconteur, author of many books on uh, classic television shows from the 60s and 70s. Jim's latest book, People, Places, and Me, is a memoir of his life and career as a working actor and as a working writer, a career that, as Jim just said, in many ways sprung out of his interest in some of the great anthology shows from the golden age of television and how acting enabled Jim to express many of his innermost thoughts as a person and, and eventually in his performance as an actor. Jim's career as a working writer and a working actor uh, saw him pursue his craft both in New York and in Los Angeles, which is not something that a lot of people do these days. Uh, Jim's life also included a lot of experiences outside of show business, 
that helped him as a writer and an actor, including a life-changing six-month experience living on a kibbutz in Israel. People, Places, and Me is available online at Jim's website, ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com. You were telling us about how you were kind of unusual in that you grew up in an age when network television was just booming with Westerns. There were Westerns all over the place, and most kids your age, they gravitated towards the Western shows. You always gravitated towards the dramatic anthology shows for reasons you just explained. I just think it's very cool, Jim, that many, many, many years later, you wrote books on Route 66, Wagon Train, Naked City, even the Quinn Martin shows such as Streets of San Francisco and The Invaders, all of them are basically, I mean, they all have regular characters, but they are all, in essence, anthology shows. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, it's an astute uh, observation on your part. Yeah, absolutely. It's still fun. You know, periodically I'll talk to George Maris and... Uh, he still watches some of the shows, and when they're when they're broadcast on TV, Bob Fuller, of course, you know, I keep in touch with him. He has a very good memory of not only Wagon Train but Laramie, and it's nice, you know, because these shows were all successful. They were enjoyed by millions of people, and they were all different. But the common thread is what you just said. They were an anthology, and in fact, when you look at Wagon Train, each week the title of the show was a person's name. You mentioned Robert Fuller. There's a nice photo of you and Robert Fuller in People, Places, and Me. In fact, there are a lot of great photos, not only of Jim with famous actors, but it is as much a photo essay book as a memoir because there are a lot of great photos that kind of bring uh, readers into the scenes that you're Uh taking them as you reflect on certain episodes throughout your career. And also Robert Fuller includes a very nice quote about people, places, and me, people, places, and me, Jim's memoir about his life and career as a working actor and a working writer, people, places, and me, available exclusively, classictvseriesbooks.com, classictvseriesbooks.com. In your early 20s, if I got the timeline right, you took, what was it, Horace Greeley? You took his words to heart. You went west, west being Los Angeles. And what I found very impressive is that, you know, you're 18, 20 years old. You got a meeting with Ivan Goff, who was a mover and shaker of Paramount Pictures. That's very impressive, Jim. Yeah, he was a nice man. He was, uh, you know, old Hollywood. At the time, he and Ben Roberts were the writer-producers on Mannix. But uh, they had been screenwriters in Hollywood. They wrote White Heat with James Cagney. They wrote uh, adventure films with Tyrone Power and uh, Gregory Peck. They were the real deal. I forget how I came to him. I think through someone that uh, he knew. He uh, tried to get me a job at Paramount as a messenger so that I would have a job because he said a lot of uh, you know actors... Uh, they need to, to, to work to have to earn money to live while they're trying to break into the business. I stayed in touch with him. I wound up working for him on a couple episodes. He was he was a nice man, and and Ben Roberts too. They were uh, 
They were good people, and they had a very uh, successful run with Mannix. I think, what, seven or eight years it was on. Seven or eight years, plus they wrote the original concept for Charlie's Angels, which is still the best, the pilot movie is still the best episode Mm. of the show as far as I'm concerned, because it's a caper. It shows what the show could have done before you gravitated towards the TNA era, which people remember it for. But when they first developed the show, it was about three smart people, all of whom happen to be women, and it emphasized their smarts and their skills and their ability to run a con to trip up the bad guy versus playing up their glamour. Yeah, they were very uh, creative gentlemen. They also did a show uh, in the early 60s that was very good called The Rogues. Yeah, with David Niven. David Niven and Gig Young and Robert Coote. Yeah, it was a very well-done show. It was much uh, different than shows at that time. There's a thread that begins with Ivan Goff, and it continues throughout your book, People, Places, and Me, Jim, in that, if I remember correctly, uh, when you first came to Hollywood, your goal was to pursue a career in front of the camera, but you had also written a couple of spec scripts. So there was always the interest to write from the beginning. And if I remember correctly, you tell me if I got the details wrong, Goff was one of the people who read one of your spec scripts, which is not something a producer... Producers, especially working producers, won't do that a lot for a lot of proprietary reasons, but Goff read your script. Goff encouraged you to write, which is one of the reasons why he helped you find work so that you can support yourself as you pursued your craft. Yeah, he was he was a good guy. He really was. Uh, I, I was very fortunate. Another good guy... You're not only fortunate, uh, you're related to him by blood, was Nehemiah Persoff, the great character actor. He was very helpful to you when you first came west. Oh, yeah. He's been a great friend. He's still alive. He just turned 100 years old uh, My goodness. Uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, he's a wonderful man. He recently written a screenplay, and he's now he's writing his memoirs, which I think would be fascinating because what a career he had on Broadway and movies and in television. Very respected actor and worked with all the giants. He's just a dear man, and he's been very uh, very helpful to me and never given me bad advice. And I've been very fortunate. When I lived in California, I was uh, always very close with the Persoff family. Jim Rosen's on the line with us. Jim Rosen, author of many books on uh, classic television shows from the 60s and 70s. Jim's latest book, People, Places, and Me, is a memoir of his life and career as a working actor and as a working writer. People, Places, and Me also includes many anecdotes of his encounters with Jack Klugman, Paul Newman, Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor, Steve McQueen, Bruce Willis, Mike Connors, and many, many others. People, Places, and Me is available exclusively through Jim's website, ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, ClassicTVSeriesBook.com. Now, you really do provide insight into the life of a working actor. I mean, you provide a lot of practical advice, things to look for when you do the auditioning process. And look, we've said this before. Everybody, just about every, no matter what your resume says, just about everybody has to audition. That's just a fact of life. And one of the pointers you talk about is when you do the audition, 
you have to bear in mind that the casting directors are not looking for a performance. They're looking for you to convey the intention of the scene they're asking you to audition for. Exactly. Very well put. You also talk about how being a working actor means sometimes if you want to pursue your craft, you need to find a way to support yourself so that you can pursue your craft and not worry about paying the bills and stuff like that. And look, there, there are lots of ways to make money. You chose wisely because some of the things you did early in your career were jobs that put you in proximity with a lot of performers. You attended bar both at the Beverly Hills Health Club and at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So there are a lot of encounters with people that you were able to uh, draw from in your experience one way or another. Yeah, working at the Beverly Hills Hotel was a wonderful experience for me, for any actor, because of all the people that I encountered. I uh, I think a lot of people marveled at the, the Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor story uh, that I had with them. I spent an evening with them, and they were very nice people. I got to know them a little bit, and all the other people. It was an old-fashioned hotel, and a private hotel had the bungalows in the back, and, and it was really a haven for the entertainment industry. So I I met so many people in the business that I had grown up with in, in movies and TV, and it was a, a big deal for me, you know. And when people sit at the bar, they let their guard down, and, and you can strike up a conversation, and and uh, it's not like you're a fan uh, meeting someone and asking for an autograph. It's totally different. And not only that, but driving a cab, which I did. You know, I did. I bartended and drove a cab uh, for a total of eight years, Dr- uh, working uh, f- for four years at the Beverly Hills Cab Company. I met all kinds of fascinating people from all over the world, not just people in the entertainment industry. Being in that business where your trade is people-given, uh, it just was great fuel for one as, a, as an actor and a writer. It was uh, Edgar Bergen who inspired me to write a play about it, which I did. Yeah, I would take him in my cab. He called it uh, like a grand hotel on wheels. That's what he referred to my cab as. I wrote a play about it, a comedy drama about an actor driving a cab in Beverly Hills and the people he meets, and it was done at a theater in Hollywood. It ran for six weeks, and I later did it in New York, off-off-Broadway at the American Musical Dramatic Academy. I did not act in the play in L.A. In New York, I played the lead, and all that came from the taxi. Just wonderful, wonderful stories, and I, I picked the ones that touched me the most and the people that kind of affected me when I wrote the book. The book being People, Places, and Me, People, Places, and Me, the story of Jim's life and career as a working actor and as a working writer, a career that saw Jim pursue his craft both in New York and Los Angeles. And there are many, many stories that Jim shares about his experiences on both coasts and how people such as Edgar Bergen encouraged him to pursue his craft as a writer and as an actor. Jim will be back in a few weeks on TV Confidential to talk some more about People, Places, and Me, including his encounters with Bruce Willis, Peter Falk, Paul Newman, and Jack Klugman. Plus, we'll talk about the life-changing six months that Jim spent working on a kibbutz in Israel and how that experience, in some respects, helped shape his later career as an actor and a writer. That is coming up in a few weeks on TV Confidential. In the meantime, Jim will be appearing at the Williamsburg Nostalgia Fest in Williamsburg, Virginia, November 7th, 8th, 
and 9th. For more information, Williamsburg Nostalgia Fest. Dot com, People Places, and me by Jim Rosen, available exclusively classic TV series books.com. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll play part two of our conversation with Will Beinbrink of It Chapter Two when we come back on TV Confidential. Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today. 800-712-8002. That's 800-712-8002. Paid for by U.S. Med. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-296-1251. 800-296-1251. That's 800-296-1251. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Ed Robertson, author friend Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out. Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series uh, set against the background of working actors. Something that you know a, little, a thing or two well, about. Well, you write what you know, and I have been working in the business for several years. It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure, many of the experiences that the actors in my book have. Many have happened to me. Many have happened to friends of mine. It's not if you're looking for... Valley of the Dolls, it's not, it's grounded in reality. It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle at fallagainseries.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at 
TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.